Welcome back to this episode of The Startup Dentist. Jamie Amos here. I cannot wait to go through part two of the financing discussion with you because, as you know, no money, no practice, right? In the wise words of somebody somewhere, no money, no practice. This is why financing is stage two of the 13 stages. And right now, we are going to talk through part two of stage two here in the Startup Dentist Masterclass. Hang on tight. Here we go. This is the Startup Dentist Podcast, where associate dentists ignite their journey to practice ownership with a startup that matters. Learn from the experts who have opened more private practice startups than anyone in dentistry, led by your host and CEO of Ideal Practices, Jamie Amos. Startup crew, it is good to be back with you. If you haven't yet, go to Facebook and request an invitation into the Startup Crew Facebook group. If you'd like, you could go check out Startup dentistpodcast.com, startupdentistpodcast.com to find all the links, get an invitation. Remember, just for associate dentists. So it's a good, safe environment, which is important, especially on a topic like today. Because when we're talking about good, safe, important information, there's nothing more needing of a safe environment than finances, personal finances the way you prepare, like we discussed in part one. If you haven't listened to it yet, go back and listen. But we, we talked through the silver platter strategy. We, we talked through rate and term and what you really need to know about rate and term. We talked about cash flow is king. We talked about the approval myths. And I know you got a ton of information, especially out of the business planning discussion, really powerful concepts that are going to line you up for success. Now today, the topics we're going to go through are a continuation. Here we are in part two of financing with these three core topics. First, ranking banks. How are we going to rank the banks? Now, I want you to be in the driver's seat through this entire journey through financing. We're going to show you and talk you through ranking banks, twists and turns there. Next, buying a house. Should you? Can you? Will you? Can you? Is it safe? Are you going to ruin your financing or your funding? Is it going to put you at an advantage or disadvantage? It's good for your family, good for the loan. Let's talk through buying a house. And then number three, we're going to go through the topic of student loans. And I actually have a a big promise for you that actually, well, Stephen has a big promise for you. So with no further ado, I'd like to reintroduce you to the gentleman with half a billion dollars of dental financing under his purview, Stephen Shredder. Stephen, would you say hello? Hello, startup fans out there. I am excited to be here back on this topic. We're going to wrap up funding and financing today and hope and have everybody leave with like greater clarity on how to obtain the best funding for your startup. And today's discussion, this discussion, part two is going to be more about like your own, a lot of your own financial preparation and, and things that you need to consider on a personal level as well. So can't wait. So Stephen, I've kind of left with a cliffhanger of student loans. What's the big <laughs> promise there on student loans that we're going to jump into as our third discussion today in just a couple minutes? Student loans, what's the catch? The catch is I'm going to help everybody identify the fastest path 
to paying down your student loan debt. All right, that's going to be good coming from the guy with all the numbers in his mind. So let's do this. I want to dive into these three topics here. And Stephen, where do you want to start with this ranking banks topic? What what should we talk through as doctors are confused? Which bank should I go to? My buddy used yep. this one. My sister used that one. Where should we start? Yeah. Well, I, I, what I like to do there is be able to give a, hint, a number of criteria as you start to look through things with a bank. And, and, and so for me, I'm, I'm very kind of nuts and bolts many times, you know, meat potatoes of like, what are the things you want to look at in terms of a bank? So how are you going to rank banks based upon their approvals and what are you looking at as you start to approach banks and in that this is going to kind of apply to whether it's large banks regional banks and even some of your local banks and and there's always you see these things jamie we you and i see it all the time on facebook like i got the best thing from here i got the best thing from there the thing is that there's not just one bank there's not a one bank fits all every bank has a little bit of different nuances to it. So I, I think what I'd like to do is be able to give some big criteria to look through. And um, Jamie, I think you and I have a couple of stories about a couple of like, uh, a couple of those stories about some banks and, and what people have got and what's been required of them. So what <laughs> I'd like to do is... Want to talk through local banks? I always love this story of local <laughs> banks. Uh, the people, these local banks, local market bank on the corner, they say, yeah, Sure, we work with dentists all the time. You want yeah. to talk through the local bank story? Well, what I can tell you is bankers are typically trained. They go to this training session, I think, at banks. And, and I don't know if this is true. It's kind of like, I, this is my, what I envision. Bankers that do loans, they go to the training for banks. It's like this big central hub for training for banks. It's like, it's one big building in America and they're all trained. Every bank person, every bank loan person out there is trained. They go in the first day and the trainer gets up Everybody's sitting in the theater and they're like, okay, great. We're bankers. We're going to be trained. Trainer comes up and says, okay, guys, the answer to all the questions is yes. That's it. They're trained. So they leave. That's for training. I think the bankers, that's for training at banks. They're trained to say <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. Am I going to get, do you do lending to dentists? Yes. Okay. And then there's, but the problem is there's yeses with a lot of, a lot of asterisks attached to that. Yes. Uh, what I can think about is we had a client, Dr. Dr. Brian, and you re, I don't know if you recall this story, Jamie. I remember he said, yeah, I really want to work with local people. Okay. Okay. All right. We can talk to local banks. Now, one criteria when ranking banks, I'll just like be kind of blunt here. If you have to explain what an operatory is, will you please promise me not to talk to that bank anymore? <laughs> That, that's all I ask. Like, if you have to explain an operatory, that is not a bank that you want to get a practice loan from. So that, that's just like one <laughs> they, big ranking. What if they at that's least like, know how to spell it? They, yeah, spell so that's like it? number one criteria for ranking. Do they understand dentist and what an operatory is? Moving on. And, and, and so when I think about Dr. Brian, I remember he said, oh, I've got this local bank and you know, I'm talking to the local banker. Yes, mm-hmm, yes, and then yes. And then there's always the yes. And then all of a sudden it was, well, I have to go to my committee for the approval. Ooh, the committee at the bank. And the committee at the local bank. They, they love committees. I don't know who's in those committees. But our, our client, Dr. Brian, he got approved. And what I love is the approval. After three weeks of hearing, the approval's coming, the approval's coming, the approval's coming. Three weeks later, approval finally came. 
And the criteria was, well, this is kind of one of those criteria. What are they requiring? What is the collateral that they're requiring? What are the terms in collateral? And so they, want doc, they wanted Dr. Brian's in-laws to co-sign the loan and put up $200,000 to be collateral yeah, signed to the bank. Which I think is it's hilarious <laughs> in so many ways. Like, wait, you said yes? You said yes. We had to wait my three wife, weeks for that. My wife's parents need to sign. Wait, am I not a big boy? Am I, am I not able to sign? I, mean, yeah. I don't even need my wife. I need my wife's parents. And here's the, the horrible twist in the story. Dr. Brian's parents uh, are dentists. So they didn't even ask for Brian's parents. They asked for his wife's parents plus 200 grand. Just weird. So weird. Yeah, so... One of the big criteria that I would look at is what are they requiring? What is the collateral? What are they requiring as part of the loan? Are they requiring a down payment? That is one of the first things you have to look at in terms of a a, a bank is what are they requiring of me? Number one. Number two is repayment structure. You know, Jamie, we talked about this in the previous episode in, in, the, in part one. We talked about cash flow for your practice. The, the right bank and the right lending solution and ranking banks is what kind of terms are they providing in terms of my repayment structure? Am I getting really good rate with a short-term loan or am I getting something that has greater flexibility, longer-term funding? Now, this kind of flies in the, in the face of like, you know, the, the Dave Ramsey people and stuff like that that says, get out of debt quick. Again, back to that's great for your personal life, but we're talking about a business decision. We're talking about business funding. So we want to make sure you have the right repayment structure. The, the other part is, I, I would say next criteria would be funding amount. Um, you know, if a, if a bank is going to give very limited amount of funding, then you actually may limit your startup to what your funding outlet is. And what I mean by that is, it doesn't mean, again, we talked about this in part one, which is appropriate amounts of funding. So when you're looking at banks, also look through the lens of, well, how much is this bank going to provide me for my startup? Will I have to cut corners with this bank? Does this bank understand my market? Because some banks lend differently in different markets because Everybody that's watching or listening to this podcast, you are all in different markets. Real estate costs are different in New York than they are somewhere in the Midwest. Texas costs differently than Minnesota. All these different criteria. So to have a bank that understands your market and lending specifically with customization to your market and the funding amount is, is very, very important. Oh, so important. You could end up being in a market like, let's say, I don't know, you mentioned New York City, Stephen. So let's say a practice there wants to apply for the loan with the same bank, with the similar loan structure structure as their buddy in uh, Nebraska. Right. <laughs> the same amount of money, obviously, we all know this, it, the, <laughs> same, the same amount of money in Manhattan just doesn't go as far in the middle of Nebraska. But for some reason a lot of people will tell you, just work with this bank because that's who I worked with. Mm-hmm. The structure, be careful with the structure. Yeah, 100%. And then I, I would say probably if I think about like the top three 
like four or five categories. And then last but not least, I would also then look at the rate itself. And then look at the rate. If you notice, I didn't place rate number one, say best rate, because we talked about it in part one, best rate does not equal best funding. But rate is an important equation. But I'll tell you, in today's environment, these banks are all very aggressive in terms of interest rate. So that's why I place interest rate as out of all these main criteria that our team reviews and guides our clients through and what you need to be looking for as associates out there to understanding the best and ranking different banks, interest rate is going to be, it's relevant, but it's not as relevant in today's environment as you, as you think because all these other criteria will have a bigger impact on your success. They'll have a bigger impact on what's required of you, what the bank's going to have holding, held over your head for a period of time. That's the collateral. They're going to be, it's going to be the repayment structure of like, what do you need a service on a monthly basis? Is it something that's more flexible that allows you to grow and helps you create cash flow versus constricted? And then also like, you know, in terms of then you get to the point where it's like, what is my interest rate out of all these things? So that's the ranking that I would go through that I would guide each one of you through in, in order to make sure you have the right funding solution that understands your world. I love that. Especially how you said those other factors will have more impact than the interest rate. And it's obvious now how they will. The interest rate affects so little of this discussion with those other factors do. As a matter of fact, there's a story of a doctor in the Midwest, a large city in the Midwest. I'll leave the doctor nameless. Uh, and I'm going to leave the bank nameless too. One of their criteria uh, sh- should include this discussion uh, let's say, let's call it collateral, but I'd also say the integrity of the bank. Uh, here's what I mean. Uh, this one doctor, not one of our clients, this doctor, she opened her startup practice with a bank that has a reputation and things didn't go well for her in the first months. Uh, things were not going well for her nearly six months in. Uh, the bank could see effectively the writing on the wall. They could see how this ship was taking on water and starting to go under. So the bank, in a very sneaky fashion, sent paperwork to this doctor and said, hey, listen, in order to make sure things go well for you, in order to do X and Y and Z, we, we, need, we need your husband to sign this quick piece of paper. Uh, unfortunately, the doctor had the husband sign the paperwork. It, it is our strong suspicion that the bank knew that this practice was not just taking on water, but was also already halfway underwater and drowning. Unfortunately, the punchline of the story is that the doctor, uh, the practice went under. The doctor went out of business. Now, that's horrible. The doctor went out of business, lost practice. She understood she was going to mess up her personal finances. Well, she and her husband, they kind of forgot about that one sneaky little piece of paper that the husband signed. It was after the practice was already open, after the practice was taking on water. What they found out is that the husband and the wife, then both had bankruptcies on their credit. And they both had this major financial catastrophe sitting on their lap. And it didn't even have to be that way because the husband wasn't even on the paperwork in the first place. So when I say do your due diligence, because it, it's not just a clean, smooth sailing ride. We, we tell doctors all the time, a bank is not just a bag of money. The, the, the bank and the loan for your startup, it's not a question of which bag of money do I want? There's so many strings attached to that money that go so far beyond the typical one-page in topic of 
What's the interest rate? That's a one-page topic. There's 15, 20 pages with a six-size font that are actually going to describe all the strings that are attached to this money. So I hope that gives you a profound pit in your stomach because it has happened, and I don't want it to happen to you. So, Stephen, anything else on that topic before we go? No. I love that. Yep, absolutely. So do your due diligence and do your own, do your ranking of banks through that lens. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Love it. Let's talk through that's topic number two then, buying a house. Uh, let's try to ramp up the energy a little bit here. I, I probably just made people feel like, holy crap, good. I'm glad. Now I want to talk through something a little more <laughs> exciting. Let's talk about buying a house, establishing roots, uh, getting hanging, your, having a, a roof over your own head with your your name on the, on the deed. What is, can people buy a house? What do you, what do you want to talk to on this topic uh, for startup dentists? Well, this, come, this question comes up a lot. And this question comes up, especially at the associate level, because most of you are at that very similar point of your life. It's like, I've been working maybe for a couple of years. I have, you, you have an established amount of income. And you're like, oh man, I'm tired of renting. And I want to be able to buy a buy a home. And the question always inevitably comes up is, which one should I do first, house or practice? And well, it's, it's, it's not as simple as that, but if I had to give a simple answer, I would say, well, I would choose practice first over house. Well, and the, question, and, and, and the reason being is the, the practice that you're going to build has, has a lot of criteria wrapped around it. And one of the criteria that you have to think about is, well, where are you actually wanting to open your own practice? And how far of a distance do you want to travel? And all these are, these are things that we have to look through from a demographical perspective. And what if you had a non-compete and things like that? So it all kind of like, I know I'm talking about a lot of different topics here, but that all wraps into where are you going to actually open a practice if you have a non-compete or where's the best area for your demographics? And all of a sudden you bought this house and you're like, whoa, now I'm like an hour or so away. This kind of like a fundamental thing of like, well, where do you see yourself and where do you think you may desire to have your practice? And how does that actually have an influence on how far you want to travel to and from your, your home and your practice? So there's, there's that criteria. But the other part of it is think about the, 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 the purpose of this practice. Many of you are, you know, you're going to use, this practice is going to be something beyond just a financial path to your freedom. But, but the practice and practice ownership is going, to, is, going to be a fi- is going to be a financial reason as well. And the influence on how, where you buy a home or how big of a home you buy will more than likely be influenced by that financial opportunity that exists. So if, if you bought a house today, um, d- or let's say you, you, your practice really, really grows well, I think fundamentally, does that have an influence on how big or how much of a home that you would actually buy versus one thinking about it today. So thinking it through that lens of making something that might be a longer term decision might be that path. I also say from a fundamental perspective, most of you are going to be still young in terms of your career in that you have a long time to buy a home. However, if you think owning a home is, be, is an asset that the bank is going to say, oh, you have a home, you have an asset, that's a myth. Yes, a home is an asset. Yes, you can put it on your everything. But if you're going to have a mortgage, it's, it's an asset, but technically it's still a liability. So the banks aren't going to look more favorably on if you own a home versus not owning a home. And, and, and renting still gives you so much added flexibility in today's environment 
And if you have to put a, a, a decent, and maybe you have to put a down payment down on the home, does that liquidate some of those assets that you have in order to qualify for funding? So for that reason, I always say, wait on the home, get open for the practice. It's going to give you a much better um, view of what your financial situation is. That's going to have an influence on where you want to be. It's going to have an influence on how much of a home that you have. And a lot of things can change financially for, for the good once you become a practice owner. So I would say, hold tight on the home. You always have time for that get the practice because that practice is going to be a vehicle for a different financial path for you. Yeah. Oh, really good. I hope I'm confident that that is going to give a lot of people some optimism about, Oh, cool. That's yes. how their piece is together. This yep. empowers me. It's not just a B or before or after it's I have options. 100% you have options. And I love the idea because I would want to make roots myself. If I'm in that position, I would, for all of you, I want to, I want to, I want to establish roots and things like that. It doesn't mean you can't go out and buy a home, but just, and you can. We've had clients that have bought a home before or in the midst of, of applying for financing and things like that. Uh, yes. But it could. If it, if it matches the plan. If, if it matches guess, the right? plan. Right. Because it's not as simple as yes or no. But if I had to give a yes or no answer to it, it would be, well, hold off on the home until we determine you have the right funding, your doors can open, you have, you have a better view of what your financial financial situation that will have an influence on your home purchase. I love how you said it's not a simple yes, no, but if you had to give a simple yes, no, that's what it would be. I love that because because everybody's situation is different. And when you Mm -hmm. step into this with the financial strategy, like we've been talking about the personal custom strategy, it's not a one size fits all. It's not a cookie cutter solution. This is not a stamped out uh, factory style franchise model. It's not a one-size-fits-all paint-by-numbers solution. You're not going to fit it all into one box because this is about you, doctor. This is about your life. This is about a customized plan for you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why hopefully you can tell like, oh, I see how all this is fitting together. Remember the three Ps that we talked about in the previous episode, the three Ps practice, profit, purpose. You can see how some of these practice elements, meaning getting open, are certainly tied to financing. But hopefully you can now tell that many of the profits topics are specifically tied to your financing strategy, not just the interest rate, right? So it's going to tie into practice, meaning getting open. It's going to tie into profits, meaning do you make any money or are you going to go bankrupt like the doctor in the Midwest town? Uh-oh, it happens. Or does this even tie into your purpose? I would say absolutely yes, because of the way your financing will enable you or disallow you from impacting a community with the kind of local presence that you desire to have. We'll talk about purpose, even related to financing in future episodes. So now let's make a shift. Let's, let's turn the page here, Stephen, into the topic of yes. uh, student loans. T- talk us through this big, uh, big promise. My promise is I want to be able to lay out strategies for the fastest path of paying down student loan debt or just simply the fastest path of st- student loan debt. Let's do it. All right. Everybody ready? Here is the fastest path of paying down your student loans. Practice ownership. 
That's it. Mic drop. Can I mic drop on that? That's it. So it is. <laughs> practice don't, ownership. Your, your mic is too valuable. <laughs> no, 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 don't drop it. Um, practice ownership is the fastest path of, of paying down your student loans. Now, I know that was kind of like a trick answer, trick question, but no, it's not. It's Everyone talks about like how quickly can I pay off student loans? And yes, you, you ever, the, the student loan debt for dentists in, in the country has risen. Obviously, it continues to rise. Just like student loan debt everywhere has continued to rise. The cost of everything has risen. But the fastest path for all of you listening today is practice ownership. Practice ownership will give you that path of, of paying off your student loans. It is the quickest path of paying, on, paying down your student loan debt. Now, what I would like to do is, Jamie, I'd like to talk about like what to do with student loans because you know I speak all over the country, different programs and schools and residency programs, and you and I both do. And inevitably, it's like the biggest kind of like, oh man, it's kind of like the the, the elephant in the room of like, oh, if I have student loans and I have X amount, or if I have student loans, I won't qualify for funding. That's a myth. You you will you can still qualify for funding even with rising student loan balances. Can we talk through some of the higher echelon or the higher levels of student loan balances that we've been able to get doctors funded for startups, some of those high numbers that we've seen? I know this will be jaw-dropping to some, but you mind sharing some of those numbers? Um, well, for in some cases, um, I, I think we had a couple, a couple of people that were singly uh, you know, on their own over five hundred thousand. We had a couple of people that were over a million, and with two of them, well over a million, and still have the path to funding, and they still qualified. And, and, and so, the, the, the concepts yeah. that Steve is about to share, they are relevant even for doctors with five hundred or a million dollars of school debt, because school debt's a real thing. You know, yes. the averages, like Stephen just said, have gone up. Uh, mm -hmm. It is one of the biggest stresses and concerns in this journey. So let's talk through, you know, if practice ownership is the journey to get there, what are some of the principles or what are some of the tactical things? What are some of the yeah. tactical concepts that associate yeah. dentists can begin working on now to prepare for this uh, future practice ownership, but, but starting today with the yeah, payoff concept? And, and before I do, I think I want to phrase this as this is optimism for everybody that has student loan debts. Because what when we when there's a lot of times I walked in the programs, I, I spoke at a program in the Midwest a couple months ago, and it was like I had so many of the students approach me and go, oh, I didn't even realize this was actually something I can do. Because they hear from corporate dentistry and people that go into these programs, and many of you maybe have worked for corporate dentistry, or many of you have heard corporate dentistry in their messaging that says, You owe too much. You can't do it. I will tell you, you all can do it. I want to give everybody on this podcast optimism and that you can do it because as long as you do it in the right fashion. So let me give you a couple of big, big nuggets here. So there's a couple paths here. There's a couple really good vehicles out there. there there's these things called, it's called IBR or income-based repayment. There's, there's an element called in today's environment still called pay, pay, P-A-Y-E, and repay, so P-A-Y-E with R-E on the front. So there's repay, pay, and there's IBR. What are these vehicles? These are vehicles that are basically income-based options and income-based repayment options for your student loans. Your student loan payment is going to be based upon criteria, a certain percentage of your adjusted gross income. And, and there's different qualifications out there. So I, I won't go through all those today because, again, I'm not like 
I don't, that's, it's very, very deep, but investigate these options. Many of you will qualify. Most of you will qualify, but there's different criteria based upon if you're married or not married. However, investigate these vehicles because it's going to give you the lowest possible payment. Because what are banks looking for in order to get you funding? They're looking at your credit. They're looking at your collateral, looking at all these things. They're looking at your own personal cash flow. So these three vehicles give you the ability of having the lowest possible payment on your student loans. Because what banks are looking at is not your total debt. Let me repeat that. The banks are not looking at what your total student loan balances or debt is. They're more concerned about what you have to service on a monthly basis. So those three vehicles of pay, repay, and IBR, the, the, those vehicles and those kinds of income-based repayment options give you the best path because it keeps your payment lower, increases your personal cash flow, doesn't force you into higher payments so that then what do you need to do? Whenever you're making money at that point, and I'm not, like, full disclosure, I'm not a financial advisor, um, so this is not financial advisor you know, advice, but I could tell you, pay yourself first. In other words, put money aside because what I talked about before, banks are looking for what do you owe and what do you have? So if you have some debt and cash on hand and liquid assets, you will put yourself in a better position, even if you have three, four, or even $500,000 in student loan debt. Really good. Yeah. The rate at which you can pay down your student loan debt, guys, is much faster if you get your startup up and running and profitable and growing quickly. If you, if you get that solved, you're going to accelerate your debt repayment much faster mm-hmm. than simply being in a typical associateship position. And then 100%. you even have all these other tax benefits. You have incredible tax benefits. Yep. You have legacy impact. You have future asset value. I mean, listen, let's just call this spade a spade. Do you show up many days per month asking yourself, how much longer do I want to build this other practice for this other owner? Right? I'm sure you've asked yourself that question. Like you pull up into the parking lot, you're a good person, you're working hard, you're trying to create a great reputation for that other practice owned by some other doctor. For what? I mean, some of you are even told things like, why don't you go out and market to your friends and family, have them come here? Well, guess what? What if you have <laughs> something in your associateship contract that says you're disallowed from caring for patients? who work at this practice. Does that mean like you aren't going to be able to care for your mom? Maybe, maybe not. But how much longer do you want to struggle with those feelings of, I don't know if I really enjoy putting my blood, sweat, tears, heart, soul, clinical skill, and passion into building someone else's practice. If you want to go through this journey the right way, I beg of you, please hang on to every word that someone like Steven says, somebody who's actually helped hundreds, hundreds of startups in this journey, somebody who knows that IBR and pay and repay, that they're actually great things that, Steven, you mind talking, maybe we kind of conclude with the topic of, of the gang. You mind talking us through the, the gang topic <laughs> as one of the final, final comments here? Well, if anybody's ever saw either one of us, they probably know neither one of us have been in a gang, nor would we ever want to be in a gang. We are not gang people. <laughs> they, they, we're, yeah, they, we're, they don't we are not a good like fit. 
Um, but let me tell you a little bit of something about the gain that, of, of those income-based repayment vehicles or those, I call them, a, I refer to them as a gang. They're a good gang. Once you're into those programs, and if your goal, what you need to understand, what you want to do is, if your goal is in the next few years that you want to enter private practice ownership, then make sure that you set your repayment schedule of your student loans to mirror that, f- that near future. In other words, keep with the lowest payment. Stay on those income-based repayment options for as long as you can because that will create the best funding path for you. And they're like a gang. In other words, it, once, you, once you're in, you're in to the gang. But resist the temptation of these companies that come and say, hey, you could refinance your student loan debt and get these lower interest rates because if you do and you refinance out of this gang, are these income-based repayment options? Once you refinance, you're out of the gang and you're not going to go back in and you're not going to be allowed to get back in. Once you're out, you're out. Once stay you're out, you're out. in the gang. <laughs> stay yeah, in the gang. Stay in there. As long stay as possible. Yes. Especially if you want to be stepping into practice ownership. Listen, we take surveys at dental schools and at residencies and doctors and future doctors. The numbers are such that 84%, 84% desire to own a practice. So maybe you're one of these doctors. One of the, maybe you're one of the 84% who says, yeah, I, I want to own a practice. Well, guess what? There are irreversible decisions you're about to make. There, there are lots of decisions that you're about to go through now that can't be undone. One of them is this financing discussion. Once you sign for that loan and, and you start taking some of that money you don't get to undo the paperwork. You don't get to write them a letter and say, hey, actually, I, I reread page six of this 20-page document in size six font, and I actually don't like the strings attached. Uh, nope, can't do it. It's not an option. You don't get to undo it. They may be willing to negotiate with you, but guess what? They're going to make money off of that. They're going to penalize you. They're going to make a lot of profit off of you trying to undo this. You don't get a do-over. <laughs> this is serious business. Some of the biggest financial institutions in the world are related to two topics, real estate and banking. And it's pretty sad that in most circles, real estate and banking, people will try to reduce these two complex topics that are two of the biggest financial institutions, two of the industries that have created more wealth for humankind than any other industry, banking and real estate. And it's really sad when people try to reduce it. Maybe it's the sales guy. Maybe it's a colleague who just doesn't know any better. And they try to reduce it down to a simple concept like rate and term. But it's not that simple. (laughs) If it were that simple, you wouldn't need a 20-page document. If it were that simple, they wouldn't need strings attached. If it were that simple, well, you get the point. Our desire for you as part of the startup crew Our desire for you is to step into this with real awareness based on real principles of hundreds of startups, not just one or two little examples of somebody who's done it once. We want to expose you to real concepts that work to protect you, to guide you forward into a startup that matters. So Stephen, I'll give you the final word as we wrap up here on this incredible topic of stage two of the 13 stages. With the 13 stages process, guys, if you want a free copy of the timeline, if you haven't gotten it yet, get it while you still can. We still have it up for free. 
go to idealpractices.com slash 13. Idealpractices.com slash 13. You can get a free visual example of the 13 stages timeline. And you'll see right there at the top, number two, stage two, financing. Stephen, give me the final word. Final word is your student loans are not a barrier to entry into private practice ownership. And the right bank is going to give you the right funding that will actually help you feel growth for your successful startup. So those are the words I'm going to leave you with. I can't wait to to continue these chats and uh, help support our industry and all of you out there. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you on the next episode of the Startup Dentist Masterclass. Take care. Every associate dentist needs to ask one important question before opening their practice. The question is, where? Where should you open your practice? The topic of location is all important. From real estate selection to negotiation, demographics, and strategies for signage and space, and the amount of negotiating that you need to do for your practice is a crucial decision. That's why I wrote a book called Choosing the Right Practice Location. It covers all the strategies of demographics, taxation, PPOs, reimbursement rates, strategies that will affect the rest of your career. Right now, we have a 1,000 book giveaway. We decided to benefit the entire industry by giving away 1,000 copies of my bestseller. It still sells every month on Amazon, but right now I'd like to be able to have you get one of the free copies. You can go to this website and find out if there are still free copies to get yours. It's at www.idealpractices.com slash free. That's www.idealpractices.com slash free.